Hello and welcome to Unrivaled Experts, where we get the best of the best to share their insider secrets to give you a shortcut to living a better life. I'm Chris Gunkel, and today we have joining us again, welcoming welcoming back to the show, is Ed Dobby. And Ed Dobby is the emotions doctor. He was just on the show just a little bit ago. Make sure you check out that first episode. And Ed is an expert on using emotions as strategic tools to improve your life and relationships. That's what we talked about last time. We talked about emotions, what they are, where they come from, how we can use them as tools and not get hijacked by them or hide from them and avoid those emotions. Today, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper and we're going to talk about some of these ugly things that kind of come up with entrepreneurs, right? You hear about the entrepreneurial roller coaster, and it's it can be a very emotional journey. So we're going to talk today about some of those emotions that come up, things that come out of this journey, such as your self-doubt, that lack of confidence you have, um, fear of failure, fear of success. And Ed's going to give us some insights into these because he has all kinds of knowledge on this stuff, and he's going to set us on the right course. So once again, Ed Dobby, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Chris. I'm looking forward to the interview today. I am too. I'm excited about this. You have so much knowledge in this area, just uh, you know, a 32-year career as a psychologist, um, you know, an adjunct professor of philosophy or of psychology at the University of Laverne in Southern California. Um, all kinds of things. You've you've written a number of books, but today, like I said, we're t- here to talk about these entrepreneurial gremlins that come up with those of us who are running businesses. Because again, it does get super emotional. Um, I talked briefly, just introducing this. Um, our self-doubt, that lack of confidence that can creep in with anybody, our fear of failure, fear of success. Um, And then we're going to talk a little bit too. We use that word fear, and let's maybe kick it off with this. We use that word fear, fear of failure, fear of success. Um, Last time, you enlightened us a little bit about fear and fear versus anxiety. So can can we start that off? What is the difference between a fear and what's the difference between an anxiety? That's a great question, and it's a great place to start, Chris. Most people, the, the word fear is, is overused, and when people use it, what they mean is anxiety. And let me tell you the difference. We are born with primary emotions, and those primary emotions that you can see them in kids, you can see them in adults, it's mad, sad, glad, fear, disgust, and surprise. Now, fear in that context is the kind of, is the emotion that you feel when there is an impending danger, and that danger, most likely, more likely than not, is going to kill you, kill in quotes. You may have experienced if you're in a, a darkened garage structure and you hear a noise and you don't know what that is, or there's a noise that comes up in the middle of the night, and it's, it, your body is prepared to get, make you get out of that situation. That is fear. Now, so more physical, physical a, harm. There's something yeah, that's it, going to hurt me physically. Exactly. And, and fear is designed to protect us. It sets us up to escape. Because when our ancestors experienced fear, the, the threat was real and it was going to kill them. So fear 
prepared them to get out of that situation. Fear is a present-based emotion. It's, it's here and now. It's real and it's happening in the moment. Now, anxiety is a future-based emotion. The message of anxiety is there may be a threat out there and that threat may do me harm. So you feel it in the moment, but it's based on something that might happen. And that's a critical difference because if you understand that, then you have the ability to, to question, which is part of the emotional mastery process, to question the emotion, to question the possible threat, and then to say, can I do something about it? So that's anxiety. Now, anxiety has, has different phases. There's eustress, which is anxiety that is used to motivate you to take action. And there's distress, D-I-S, which is anxiety that bottles you up and makes you go into a fetal position, and I'm exaggerating here, and not take any action at all. So if you understand that, then anxiety now becomes a tool that can motivate you to take action. This is what my students do when they have a test coming up. They begin to question it. Okay, what needs to be done? What's the threat? Well, the threat is that there's a test out there. What do I need to do about it? I need to study. The other question, issue about anxiety, which most people don't understand, is there's a flip side to anxiety. There's a, another face to it, and that's called anticipation. And this is where your listeners can really use their anxiety to their benefit. Because if they're facing a situation, whether it's making a difficult business decision, or it's contacting a client or a supplier, whatever it happens to be, they can look at the anxiety. They can say the anxiety is telling me that there's a situation out there that I need to be aware of and that I need to take action concerning. Well, when I do everything that I can, I have all my ducks in a row, basically. I've prepared myself. I have the knowledge that I need for my presentation. I know what I need to do. Now that anxiety becomes anticipation. And the message of anticipation is there's a situation out there that may go very well for me. And if that becomes true, I'm going to really benefit. I've done my preparation. I'm ready to go. So now bring it on because I'm ready. That's anticipation. And it motivates you to take action. So fear, like you said, is the here and now, typically some sort of physical threat, something we need to kick in with that fight or flight and, and you know deal with that situation right now. Anxiety, if we use it as a tool, like you're saying, that's something then that we can plan for and we can use that as a motivator. Yes, exactly. And I'm, I'm suggesting to a listener, to your listeners, if you, for example, are going to get into an elevator and there's somebody in that elevator and he, he, he looks fine, there's nothing that you can see, but your fear tells you that there's something wrong, then I'm saying honor that fear and take the next elevator. Even though your brain may say, well, there's really no problem. Yeah, there, there may be. And if the guy is totally okay and there's nothing, then so what? So you take the next elevator. I'm saying honor that fear, but don't confuse it with anxiety. Does that make sense? Makes sense, yeah. And, and trusting that gut is, is good. You know, it's those instincts that we have are there to serve us. So I love that. Um, now let's talk a little bit about, about these things. They're commonly re referred to as the fear of failure 
fear of success. I imagine we need to rename those. So let's do that. Should it be failure, anxiety, success, anxiety? That's exactly correct. Okay. So these these are things that, that come up all the time for entrepreneurs for any number of reasons, which I'm sure you can shed more light on. But that fear of failure, you know, we don't want to look like a fool. Um, you know, we don't want to be ashamed of, of our efforts and have people point a finger and laugh, whatever it is, or that fear of success of maybe alienating relationships, that sort of thing. Um, can you shed some light on these anxieties and kind of what what the causes are, uh, how they might manifest in our behaviors or our thoughts or actions or, or lack of action. Mm-hmm. When you, and then, then that's a good way to look at it, success anxiety or fear or failure anxiety. Let me talk about the emotional process. I think we talked about it last time, but let me kind of review it. Here's what happens with emotions. We are constantly scanning our environment for threats, and that's hardwired. And that's a given. So when we experience or we perceive a possible threat, then what we do is is we experience it physically, and that's the emotion. Well, the next step then is to validate the emotion. Okay, I'm anxious about some future event, whether it be failure or it be success. Once you acknowledge that, then you've validated the feeling. Then the next step is to question it. What actually is going on here? What actually am I concerned about? And to be aware of that and even to take some notes and and write it down. Once you now have assessed the nature of the threat, you now then can go to the next step, which is to make a plan to deal with that threat, whatever it happens to be. So let's take a look at failure anxiety. So what could happen? And, and here's where we get into what ifs. And it goes like, okay, so what if I fail? Well, <clears throat> I may be perceived as, as incompetent. I may lose my job, whatever it happens to be. So then you can question that. Well, what are the facts? What have I done? What, is, what have I done that is evidence to me that I am competent? Yes, it's always possible that I could fall down, that that I could make a mistake, but I've got evidence to suggest that I can do things. I can set goals. I can accomplish those goals. So when you do that now, that reduces the anxiety. Why? Because you've questioned the the negative what-ifs, if you will, and you can turn them into positive what-ifs. Well, what if I do whatever I need to do and I succeed? So it changes the whole way that you approach what it is that you're doing. It's the same thing with with success. What does success mean to me? Well, success means that I'm doing well. But if I'm success anxious, then I'm really asking the question, well, what if I succeed and I don't continue to succeed? Or what if I do well and then I don't do well the next time? So what's happening here is we're asking all the questions that are putting us in a negative light. They're good questions, but we're not considering the, op- the other side of those questions, which are, what if I succeed? What if I do well? Now, let's talk about failure, because I think it's a critical issue. The basic reason that most people have failure anxiety is because they see it as a 
an end result. It's almost like a hole into which I fall that I can't get out of. If I fail, I'm going to be perceived as incompetent. I'm going to be labeled. It's not like I'm going to have a scarlet F on my forehead that says failure. And that is a definition of failure which leads people to inaction. I'm suggesting a different definition of failure along the lines of John Maxwell's work. John Maxwell basically said that failure is defined as falling down X times and getting up Y times where Y is greater than X. Now, all that means is that you get up more times than you fall down. And if you do that, then you are almost guaranteed to get to your goal. So failure now becomes something that is almost desirable. Another way to look at it, there's two ways to look at it. Edison was asked, how does it feel to have failed 10,000 times to make a light bulb? And Edison's answer was, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I found 10,000 ways it wouldn't work. That's one example. Another example that might be more meaningful is when you take a flight from Los Angeles to New York. New York is east of Los Angeles. When you take off from LAX, you take off going west towards Hawaii. So you're not on on target for where you want to be. In fact, if you look at a, a flight on an airplane, you are almost never on course because the plane is being buffeted by the air currents and the earth is turning underneath. So what happens? The pilot of the airliner makes constant course corrections. And when he makes those constant course corrections, he is guaranteed to get to New York. And that's the way I would suggest to your listeners to look at the idea of failure. When you fall down or you fail, you learn from your mistake, you get up, you make a course correction, and you will get to where you want to go. Now, failure isn't something about which I need to be anxious. It's something that I can almost say, it's inevitable, it's going to happen, I'm going to learn from my mistakes, I'm going to improve, I'm going to get better, and as I get better, I will become more capable of getting where I want to go. If that's the case, I can now anticipate, which we talked about earlier, accomplishing my goals and getting to where I want to be. So I'm suggesting you reframe or change your definition of failure. Now, getting back to what I was saying before, if you're validating or assessing that feeling of failure anxiety or success anxiety, take a look at how you're defining the word success and failure. Because more likely than not, you're putting the worst possible spin on those two words. And that is what we also tend to do. That's called catastrophizing. When we catastrophize, we take a situation and we take it to its absolute worst possible outcome. And then we act as if that very negative outcome is the only possibility. Right. It's inevitable. It's It's for sure what's going to happen. (laughs) That's exactly correct. And when we catastrophize, that, if it were true, what we're catastrophizing, if it were true that the only possible outcome is that we were going to go up in a, a ball of flame, then, yeah, I would want to avoid it too. But that isn't the only possibility. So when you change your definition of failure, and when you look at your definition of success that's preventing you from taking action, Now you're looking at other possible outcomes, and those other possible outcomes, you can focus on what's going to happen with those 
rather than on the most negative inevitable outcome that you're looking at, which is when you catastrophize. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and I think it's something that it's so difficult not to do these things, to not just go to that worst case scenario. I, th- this is what's absolutely going to happen. I just know it when when that's probably so many times worse than than what reality what actually dictate is going to happen. Um, you know, there might be a slight chance, but more more likely than not, it's going to be something much much less severe. Um, if if anything, you know, negative happens at all. And I I love what you said earlier too uh, when you were talking about failure and kind of reframing that. And you said failure can become almost desirable. And I think that's very powerful reframing this and just realizing that you know it's not necessarily a failure or it might be a hiccup on the road or however you want to go ahead and and put it but it's just a step on the path to success keeping that end goal in mind and okay i fell down this time now i'm getting up again and and it's just I'm, i'm learning things and now i'm one step closer it's almost something you can celebrate now i'm a step closer to where i need to be Yes, and and let me give you a, a, a strategy that your listeners can use. Part of the problem is when we're in our own heads is we believe everything we tell ourselves. And that's a challenge, especially if we're putting ourselves in a very negative light. So what your listeners can do is this. <clears throat> and I've I've taught this to people and I've also used it myself. We are very good at giving advice to others. Why? Because we tend to be objective. When I was, when my kids are now adults now, but when I was raising my kids with my wife, I would often tell people, I am much better at raising other people's kids than I am at my own. Why? Because I can give advice that's accurate, but when I'm doing with my own, I have to think of all the possibilities and what ifs and so forth. So, I mean, my kids came out fine. They're all successful. That's not the issue. (laughs) Having said that, what your listeners can do is they can say, what if somebody came to me with the exact issues that I'm attempting to deal with, whether it's failure anxiety or success anxiety, what advice would I give them? And then give that advice and write it down. And then put that aside, whatever you've written down or typed in, whatever it is, Put it away for a couple of days or a week and then come back to it and follow your own advice. And the power of that technique is this. I can give advice to others and so can your listeners. And the advice they give probably is going to be pretty accurate because all of your listeners are accomplished. They've done things. They know stuff. So the advice is going to be accurate. When they get out of their own skin and give that advice to somebody else, now the advice they give is going to be right on. They then can come back to that, what they've written in a couple of days, and then do what they suggested the other person do. I love that. And I'd like to go just slightly deeper on that because I have a question on it. So you said, write it down, type it in on on your, your notepad or whatever you're using, put it away for a little bit, and then come back to it. That action of writing it down, putting it away, and then, and then, reintroducing it to yourself and looking at it and reading it. Is that, um, is that kind of the trick there? Does that detach us a little bit for it? Because if we're giving that advice, you could say, okay, this is the advice I would give somebody. We could just take that advice immediately 
Is there is there something that's more powerful happening by writing that down, putting it away, and coming back to it later? I think so. And I think what's going on is when you come back to it, now it's 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 almost brand new. It's it's like, okay, so now I'm gonna pull this out and and I'm going to follow it. You could follow the the advice right away. But what I'm concerned about is the idea that if you follow it right away, that doubt may may kick in. Well, yeah, I gave the advice and it may be good for somebody else, but it may not work for me. If you're the type of person that can write it down and, and then do it immediately, that's great. But if my thought is that if you put a little distance between what you've written and following it, when you come back to it, you can approach it as, okay, you know what? I'm going to pull this out and I'm going to do what it says. So you don't, you don't, you're, there's no time for that self-doubt to come in. You've kind of put some distance between you and it. That's my thought on it. And I love that. I think that could be incredibly powerful, something that I know I'm definitely going to try. Just one of those little tips, one of those little tricks mm-hmm. that I, I think can make a huge difference. So thank you for sharing that. And and it's sounding like all of these anxieties, what, what we were formerly calling fears, now we know the difference, um, failure anxiety, success anxiety, that anxiety around our, our lack of confidence, um, you know, like we talked about in the last episode, those are all just just things that are giving us information. Sounds like the main thing we need to do, pause, assess, you know, recognize that it's real, right? Acknowledge, like you said, acknowledge, hey, this is a real thing. Assess what that is, what information we're getting from it, and then be able to make a game plan. Is that Does that basically sum it up? That's exactly correct. But the important point I want to make here is you want to validate the feeling. And here's, and here's why. Let's take a look at smoke detectors in our house. We have smoke detectors because they're designed to alert us to a possible threat, a fire, which, about which we may not be aware. So what, what tends to happen is, and you've seen it in the news, what tends to happen is a smoke detector goes off and the homeowner, rather than changing the battery, pulls the dang darn thing off the wall and throws it in the garbage can, and then a fire happens. Sometimes the information that our emotions give us is exactly correct, and we need to pay attention to it, even if it's anxiety. So you want to validate the emotion, which which happens, but basically say, okay, I'm feeling anxious. All right, thank you, anxiety, for, for alerting me to a possible threat. Now then I can go and I can question what's going on so with the smoke detector it's annoying what's what's it telling me well okay yeah i burnt the toast all right need to correct that so you want to validate the emotion all emotions by the way whether it's anxiety or it's sadness or it's anger or whatever it happens to be and then question it that's part of the emotional mastery cycle so when i question it i may find out if i'm anxious about an upcoming interview with a supplier I may find out that I'm not totally prepared because I haven't done my homework. I can't go in and I can't answer most of the questions that that supplier is going to ask me. In this case, dang, I'm glad my anxiety put me on alert because now I know what I need to look at. So in that case, anxiety has given me very good information. I've made the preparation that I need to. Now when I go in for that interview, I'm ready and I'm I'm loaded up, so let's let it happen. 
Very good. So don't be dismissive of those emotions. Acknowledge they're there. Validate them. Yes. Assess what they're telling you. Yes. And then we can make a plan. We can take action. And then using that, that what if, what if somebody was coming to me with this problem, what advice would I get them, give them, write that down, put it away for a period of time, bring it back and take that advice. That's exactly correct. And take, and take a look at an, another what if, because when you're anxious, you're asking the what if questions that can lead you to catastrophize. So you want to yes. be aware of that. We talked about that earlier. So you can change the what ifs. Well, what if it goes right? What if I'm prepared? So that's all part of the same process, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And this has been so enlightening, Ed. Uh, I really do appreciate everything here. This is solid gold information. This is something that even if you're not an entrepreneur, we all wrestle with these things, right? Um, but especially if you're doing something that's entrepreneurial, we, we always have that self, self-doubt creep in. We always have these anxieties about what does the future hold? How is that going to make me look? What's going to happen to my company? What have you? And you've given us some great tools to take these emotions and use them as, as the tools that they are and just help us out in our lives, help us out in our businesses, propel us to future success I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this great information. Well, I'm glad I was here. And I, I would, would, would say one, one last thing. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I would say the self-doubt, most of it, when we look at it, we want to avoid it. No, the self-doubt is there. Acknowledge it. It may be giving you information you need to have. It's a starting point, not an ending point. And I would also want to direct your listeners back to my blog, which the emotions doctor.com, T-H-E-E-M-O-T-I-O-N-S-D-O-C-T-O-R.com because there's a lot of information on there on emotions, on procrastination, on anxiety. There's a ton of information there that would be very useful to them. Absolutely. Make sure you check out that website, theemotionsdoctor.com. Ed also has a couple of books out there talking about using emotions as tools, moving beyond anger management, using anger as a tool. So check those things out. As you can tell from these last couple of interviews, he has a ton of great information. Ed Dobby, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate being here. It was enjoyable. Thanks for being here and checking out our latest amazing guest, Be sure to head over to unrivaledexperts.com to learn from more incredible experts so you can get a shortcut to living your best life.